Welcome to Outbless Weekly, the four-day-a-week Bible study led by Michael Metcalf. Join us live or listen to Outbless Weekly podcast later at outbless.com. Listen as Michael teaches the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, in an easy-to-understand format as he is led by the Holy Spirit and brings the Word to life. Listeners learn how God outblessed us all by sending Jesus Christ to die on a cross to pay for our sins and how God raised him from the dead three days later. Jesus is the risen Lord and Savior and is actively working in every believer's life to outbless them today. Come and listen to the heart of a servant and be outblessed again. Father God, we come before your mighty throne of grace, Lord, to acknowledge that you are God Almighty and that you are in charge, that you're stronger and greater than any other. Like that song we just sang from Chris Tomlin, Lord, thank you for giving me that song. Thank you for just affirming, Lord, the prayers from earlier today. And so, Lord, I pray, God, for everyone in this room and everyone that's listening online or that might listen later, that they too would come to a place where they would realize that our God is greater, that you are stronger than any other, and that there is nobody above you and that you are in full control that you're all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, and that you are able to defend your children and you're able to bless your children. And even when there is strong opposition coming against them, they are nothing compared to your power and your might. And so, Father, encourage our hearts as we hear how David dealt with these things in his life in this chapter 59 of the book of Psalms and Father, help us to apply that to whatever's going on in our lives today, individually and corporately. And we'll thank you for it, Father. So Holy Spirit, do a work in us, Lord. Touch our hearts, speak to our minds, give us wisdom and understanding, and help us, God, to make application from what we study today, Lord. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, we're in the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 58, sorry, not 59. It is a prayer for the punishment of the wicked, and it's for the choir director, and it's set to Al-Tashheth, and it's a miktam of David. And so chapter 58, beginning in verse one, he said, do you indeed speak righteousness, O gods? Do you judge uprightly, O sons of men? The title of the message, uh, Prayer for Punishment of the Wicked, it seems kind of odd that David would pray for the punishment of the wicked. But that's exactly what this chapter is about. Sometimes we just get sick and tired of being sick and tired of all the evil around us, amen? Amen. And so don't forget, by the way, this is written for the choir director, which means it was meant to be a song that would be learned and repeated for a specific purpose or a specific message. And so you're probably, if you're like me, when I started the study last night, I'm scratching my head and I'm going, God, why would you make a song about a prayer, you know, for punishment of the wicked? That doesn't sound like something to sing about. But I think when you're done with this study today, you're going to probably agree with God's word that it is. And so it was set to Al-Tasheth, which we learned back in chapter 50, uh, 57, This phrase, Al-Tasheth, meant destroy not. And so it might be that David was praying that God would not allow him to be destroyed by King Saul and his henchmen, 
which is what I think is, it's, it's about, mm-hmm. because they were after him. They wanted to kill him, and he knew it. It's also, it says, a miktam of David, which means words that were worthy of being engraved in gold. We also talked about that the other day. The word of God is valuable and it's worthy to be engraved on golden tablets because of their eternal value and wisdom. And so it may be that David uh, even had some of these words inscribed or written on the cave walls where he was hiding. I think he took some rocks and maybe kind of wrote some of them out. But the words that David spoke are now in the word of God, and so they're engraved. We know that the Ten Commandments were engraved on tablets. That was a type. And so this mictum, this idea of this mictum is that the words are valuable enough to be engraved, and that also means they're permanent. They last forever. So now, after having that backdrop, we can start chapter 58, And he says this really strange first verse, at least it seems strange to me. He said, do you indeed speak righteousness, O gods? And so I didn't really understand what that was about. I needed to pray over that for a bit. And then I noticed that the word gods is a little G. And so apparently David is speaking to men who think they're gods because they're in a position of power, but they're not the God. And so these would be probably some of David's or some of King Saul's uh, henchmen that are in a place of power. And they're, they're probably making decisions and decrees for people, you know, to be sent out to go kill David. And so that's who I think he's speaking to. And he says, do you judge uprightly, O sons of men? And so David's pointing a, a question which challenges the fairness of these leaders But the tone of this question seems to imply what they're doing and what they're deciding is unfair. So too, maybe some of you like me this morning or last night, you read your mobile app, you read the news and you just shook your head in disgust and you went, man, what is going on is so unfair. And you can see it's very obvious that it's the result of evil men. And so that's kind of how David is feeling in this this chapter. He sees all this stuff going on. He sees these people are crooked judges. He sees they're making decisions that are not based on what's right or what's wrong. And so notice what he says now in verse two. He said, no, he's answering the question. See that? He said, in heart, you work unrighteousness. (laughs) On earth, you weigh out the violence of your hands. And so he asked the question before, do you judge uprightly, O sons of men? And then in the next verse, he said, no. So he's answering the question. No, you don't. You're not judging in in righteousness. He said, in your heart, you work unrighteousness, which is the opposite of what is right. And so he then goes on to say, on earth, you weigh out the violence of your hands. And so this seems to imply that there's some use of scale here. There's a violence. There's a scale that when they're making these judgments, a scale is used to measure something, right? It used to be in the old days that that's how they figured out. Like if they said, this is worth so much money, you know, they would put so much money on a scale and they would have weights that they would put on the other side and they would see if it balances. And if it did, then it was right. It was fair. 
But there was, there was a concept that was an unfair balance, which meant that it wasn't right. It wasn't weighed out right. Somebody was intentionally trying to cheat somebody. Somebody was intentionally trying to cause that not to be fair. And so that balance, I think, is being called to the front of our thinking today as we consider what he's going to say. And so it seems to me these judges may have been accepting bribes or they were making decisions to benefit themselves financially or some other side benefit, but they're definitely not seeking the truth. And so when judges are unrighteous, it usually does lead to violence somewhere. Because sooner or later, the person who's being harmed by their, their unfaithful, ungodly decisions are going to rise up and there's going to be problems, right? Well, let's continue. Verse 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. Those who speak lies go astray from birth. Wow. The wicked are estranged from the womb. This seems to imply that what, when, when people were born, there's evil inside them while they're still in their mother's womb, before they're old enough to make decisions for themselves, it's a problem of sin. It's a sin nature. It's like, it's like their DNA or something that was in them was like that. And the, these who speak lies and go, go straight from birth, the concept of lying is to, see, is to deceive somebody intentionally. And this seems to imply it starts at a very young age when someone's still a child. I asked little Johnny, did you eat that cookie? As he has chocolate all over his mouth. No, I didn't eat that cookie. You see, it's sin nature. It's, it's in mankind. Even this idea of lying, it's in us even at birth. Why? It's because of the sin of Adam and Eve. And so we're all born into it. But this seems to be a whole nother level. Listen to verse four. It says, they have venom like the venom of a serpent, like a deaf cobra that stops up its ear so that it does not hear the voice of charmers or a skillful caster of spells. Wow. They have venom like the venom of a serpent. And so as I thought about that last night, baby serpents that are born are still poisonous. Did you know that? If you get bit by a baby serpent, you could still die from it. They have enough. And he said, like a deaf cobra that stops up its ear, a deaf cobra is one that does not hear. Another way of saying that, or it's one who does not listen. So, so that it does not hear the voice of charmers. In other words, it doesn't listen to its master. It will likely even bite its master. Or it says, a skillful caster of spells. Uh, you may or may not know this, but some people handle serpents. And they're often bit by them. And serpents, are they can be evil and unpredictable, and they can turn on someone for no reason. People who have pet snakes often get bit by them, even though they're being nice to them. Mm -hmm. They're feeding them. They're taking care of them. Some of them even let them, like, crawl all over their bodies and stuff. But they can turn on you. And they do. Why? Because they're evil. And so David seems to be making a comparison between these, these evil spirits and the evil judges that he was referring to. And so what does that mean? It means that they're likely to turn on someone without provocation. They're unpredictable, they're dangerous, and maybe even deadly. 
He's speaking about ungodly, unfair judges who are making determinations about matters unfairly. I thought that was worth noting. Brother, oh God, listen to this. Shatter their teeth in their mouth. Break out the fangs of the young lions, oh Lord. Wow. David said, oh God, shatter their teeth in their mouth. Wow, this is a form of punishment that would be especially meaningful to a serpent because it uses its teeth to inject the poison. So without the teeth, they're harmless and they're helpless. To break out the fangs of the young lions, again, the analogy of breaking out the fangs of a lion would be to take away its power because the young lion without fangs can no longer kill and it can no longer eat. It would to render those things powerless. And so this prayer is that God would break the power behind that which is evil. The purpose of this prayer is take is to take away the power of the evil is to prevent them from damaging or killing others. And so would it be okay if you prayed that God would take away the power from an evil judge? Yes, it would. Would it be okay if like David, you said, break their teeth? Yes, it would. Verse seven, let them flow away like water that runs off. When he aims his arrows, let them be as headless shafts. Let them flow away like water that runs off. Well, here in Georgia, we understand what that means. When I lived in California, I didn't really get it. But man, after I moved to Georgia, I figured this one out quick. Sometimes it rains so hard here, it's pounding on the roof. Mm -hmm. And it's such a massive amount of water, it starts flooding everywhere around you. And you're like, wow, this is a lot of water. And if it weren't gonna, if it doesn't drain away, you could drown. Or it could cause real property damage, right? But he said, let them flow away like water that runs off. And so David's praying that the power of evil would be like that. It would just dissipate until it's gone like water. Rain goes down the drain and it has no effect on men anymore. And so we learn that in Georgia that when it rains hard, don't worry, it doesn't usually last very long and all that water goes away and we go outside and everything's beautiful and clean and it's wonderful. And so I don't, I don't have any fear of the rain anymore. Why? Because it goes away. And so that's what he's saying is David is asking God to remove the power of that which is raining or that which is all over the place or that which he's afraid of that the power would just go away like the water. It's not going to affect you anymore. He uses another example. He said, when he aims his arrows, let them be as headless shafts. If you take away the head of the arrow, that's the sharp metal part on the front. All you have left is a stick. If somebody just shot a stick at you with no sharp point, no metal tip, it's not likely going to cause any harm. It's taking away the power, again, of that. So the analogy here may also be that every fiery dart that proceeded out of the mouth of an evil person, he's going to render it completely harmless and it's, it's going to come to nothing. Why? Because they can't penetrate the target. That's the reason. So 
these judges or these evil men that are in a place of power and position in government, they make rules, they make decrees, they say things. And David is saying, take away the sharpness of that arrow. Take away the sharpness of that rule or that edict. Make it not apply. Make it go away. And so we don't have to be afraid of these fiery darts or these unfair decisions or laws or rules that man is making. Remember that David is creating a comparison between these things and those evil judges to help us understand the concept of what he's saying. Well, he wants to give you another one, verse eight. He said, let them be as a snail which melts away as it, as it goes along. Like the miscarriages of a woman which never see the sun. Wow. A snail that melts away is one that's literally killing itself as he moves. In California, sometimes the asphalt will get really hot because of the sun, especially in Palm Desert, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And if a, sail, a snail goes crawling out on that hot pavement when it's that hot, literally as it goes, it's killing itself. And so that's what these judges are doing to themselves as they make these unfair decisions and they act in some ungodly, unfair way. They're literally killing themselves and they don't even realize it. Like the miscarriages of a woman which never see the sun. A baby that was unable to make it to full term never sees the light of day. And so the analogy is that these evil plots and the plans of evil people and even evil judges would have zero effect on God's people because these things will never see the light of day. It's not going to happen. God's not going to let it. That's why. And so now verse 9, he said, Before your pots can feel the fire of thorns, he will sweep them away with a whirlwind, the green and the burning alike. Before your pots can feel the fire of thorns. That's very interesting. Back in the day when this was written, this is how people made, this is how people cooked their food. They got some dry brush and they put it under a pot and they lit it on fire and it wouldn't take very long before that fire would heat the pot up and then the pot would cook whatever the food is that's inside of it. And so he's saying, before your pots can feel the fire of thorns, that would be a really short time. It means the fire gets put out so quickly, there's no time to cook anything. Wow. So it's a very short period of time. It implies that there's some speed and some urgency to this. And then he said, he will sweep away or sweep them away with a whirlwind, the green and the burning alike. Remember, this is an analogy of what he's using things that we can hopefully understand to describe what's going to happen to these evil people and evil judges. What is it going to happen? He said, God will sweep away these evil judges like a whirlwind. A whirlwind is a wind that seems to be out of control, but it lifts things up from the ground and it takes them away until you can see them no more. And that's what God's going to do with evil people and evil judges. They're going to get taken away until you see them no more. The green and burning alike, or the young and the old. You see, when something's green, it's new, it's fresh. It's a young plant. But when it's old and it dies, it's, it becomes like it's dry brush. 
So he's speaking about that which is young and that which is old alike. In other words, this rule applies to every evil judge, whether green or burning, it's all the same. It doesn't matter how long they've been at it or how long they're doing it. God's judgments is gonna come on all of them. And so we're gonna button this up. I told you I'd be on time today. Verse 10 and 11. Verse 10, the righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He will wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. Man, the righteous will rejoice when he sees his vengeance. What does it mean? The righteous are is a description for those who are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. If you have confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart, then you are among the category called righteous. If you have not confessed the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth or believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you are not among the category that's called righteous. So I believe everybody in this room is in the category called righteous. I believe most of you listening to the sound of my voice are in the category of people called righteous because you're a Christian, which means you have Christ in you, the hope of glory, by faith in Christ alone. And so what does it say is going to happen? It says, my brothers and sisters, that you and I are going to rejoice when we see the vengeance. We're going to see God's vengeance come upon these wicked judges and these wicked people who made false accusations against you and tried to harm you by doing what's wrong intentionally. You're going to see it. You're going to feel it. You're going to know it was God that did it. And you're going to feel good about that because you're going to say, you know what? God is just. He is right. There is righteousness on the earth. He isn't going to let the evil continue forever. And I hope that encourages all of your hearts. Because when I look at my mobile app last night and tell you the truth, I looked at it again this morning. My heart was broken for my world. I cried out to God in prayer this morning and I said, God, why are you letting all this happen? Come now, Lord, come now and just really hammer these people. And it's not that I have a a, a desire for people not to repent. I wish they would all repent. But you know what? I'm so sick and tired of these evil people hurting other people that are innocent, that didn't do anything to deserve it. And these people just keep doing all these heinous things. And I just, I can't wait for God to come back. And I can tell you for sure, I am going to be rejoicing when I see these evil people get it. Thank you, Lord, that righteousness is coming on the earth. Well, he said something else that's kind of hard. He said he will wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. I want you to think about that for a second also. What does that mean? What does it mean that you're going to wash your feet in the blood of the wicked? Well, if you think about it for a second, you were saved by the blood of the lamb. We were washed by the blood of the lamb to take away our sin. And there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood, according to the Old Testament. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ, down from heaven to shed his blood specifically because it was that blood offering that made you righteous, that took away your sin and my sin. And so now you're righteous. You don't, have to, you don't need your sin taken away. But because these other people didn't accept the blood of the lamb, 
Now it's their blood who's shed. And you're going to wash your feet in it. In other words, you're going to see it. They're all going to fall. All these evil people are going to be judged and destroyed and you're going to see it and you're going to rejoice according to verse 10. And then you get to this last verse and here's the result of what hopefully you learned today from this chapter. He said, and men will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on earth. So men will say, surely there's a reward for the righteous. Why will they say that? Well, because they're seeing the vengeance on the wicked. It is the righteous who are seeing it. So the righteous who are here on the earth are going to see the vengeance of God wiping out all these unfair judges, evil people in government, evil people making false claims and killing, stealing, destroying, doing their father the devil's business. We're going to see them get it. We're going to see God's vengeance poured out on them. And we're going to be like, yes, Lord. And as we see that there's a reward for them in that way, we're also going to go, you know what? If that's true, the other side of the coin's true too. Which means there's going to be blessings for those of us who are trying to do good. In fact, God says that if you even give a glass of cold water to a child in Jesus' name, you will in no way lose your reward. And so what does it mean? It means that surely there is a God who judges on the earth. In other words, it's a simple statement of fact that men will see that God is totally fair and his judgments are 100% fully correct in every way. And you're never going to have to sit there and read your mobile app again and say, oh my God, why are you letting this happen? No, you're going to have seen his mighty right hand wipe out those people and pay them back for every evil deed they've ever done. And then you're also going to see the blessing upon God's children. And you're just going to say, yes, Lord, it's right and it's true. And so this this angst that you may feel in your gut today, like I did at the beginning of this study last night, God's going to settle that score inside you, inside me. And so we're going to go around high-fiving each other. And why are we going to do that? Because God is just and God is fair and God is real. And sometimes we sit here and we look at all that's going on and we go, where is God? But there's a day coming and chapter 58 is looking forward to that day. There's a day coming when all this gets right. And right is good. And right feels good. And we can't wait for right to happen in our day. Amen. Father, thank you that you are God, that you are in control, that you do know what's going on. And thank you, Father God, that you will right every wrong, that you will repay these evil men and evil judges and evil politicians for the things that they're doing that are ungodly and they know it. Thank you that they're going to get what's coming. And yet, Father, thank you that you're also a loving and wonderful God that rewards those that ask you to be forgiven by the blood of the lamb and they confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and they believed in their heart, God, that you raised them from the dead and that the very reason that you sent Jesus to die for us was so that we could be forgiven. And so you call us righteous, Lord. Those that have faith in Christ are righteous and the righteous will see the wicked, will see the vengeance of God poured out on the wicked. And we'll say, all your judgments are right and true. 
and we will receive the rewards that we have built up in heaven for every good deed that we've ever done. And so thank you that you are a just and fair God always and that you see every deed and every act and that you hear every conversation and every word. And so, Father, help us to rejoice today and go on our way knowing, God, that you're going to settle the score and that we don't have to worry or wonder if everything's ever going to be right because we know it's coming. That which is right is coming because you are God and you will judge the earth. Thank you, Father, for that understanding. Cement that now in our hearts, God. Help us to go our way, Father, with confidence in you and in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Outbless Weekly, the four-day-a-week Bible study by Michael Metcalf. If this study helped you, please join us again four days a week at outbless.com. You can listen live or listen later at your convenience. And don't forget to go outbless someone else today by sharing what you have learned. May the Lord richly bless you as you continue to study and seek His face.